Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Kantz on the third. And guys, we are just about a week away from Secret Invasion, the next MCU series. We will be talking about that today. And also we'll be continuing our discussion from last week on Across the Spider-Verse and taking some of your questions at the same time. I also have the super producer with me, Jake Christie. Jake, how are you? I'm doing well. I got uh, one of these Grimace birthday milkshakes. Um, and it's fine. It's, it tastes kind of like, um, the milk at the bottom of Captain Crunch when you're done, which is like the worst thing that it could taste like, but I mostly got it because, um, just the idea of a special shake for Grimace's birthday is this type of dumb corporate tie-in that makes me very happy. So I'm, I'm feeling really good right now. All that, and it doesn't even make you Grimace either. No, that's not Grimace. He makes me smile every time I see him. One of my favorite guys. <laughs> Shout out to Grimace on his birthday. We also do have a guest, friend of the show, returning for another episode, Dalbino Sorio. Pal, buddy, how are you? Couldn't be more excited to be with you guys. Uh, you know, and 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 I think we we have a lot to talk about. Not just MCU, not just comic and nerd stuff, but the Jets, baby. Like it's gonna be a good year for us. I'm we gotta root for a weirdo, but I mean, it's gonna be yeah, a good year. I, I love that you're saying that, but like I think that I don't know about AC, but I remember the last time we had an aged Packers quarterback come over. The thing is that like I don't know if you know this. I don't know if we've discussed mm-hmm. this, uh, Dubbing, but my history with the Jets is that every time I ever get a player's jersey, they're horrible. That's something that happens. Like, I got a Wayne Corbett jersey. He got his final concussion. I got a Curtis Martin jersey. He had a career-ending injury. I got a Brett Favre jersey. I got a Mark Sanchez jersey. Oh my the God. last one I got, I'm like, let me get a defensive player because I don't want that to be – I got a Quinton Copel's jersey. Jesus. I remember my dad got a, a Vernon Golston jersey. Just Oh, no. <laughs> Last oh. from the combine past, AC. Oh my! Well, listen, goodness. Jake. So this, so this is what I'm. So I have upstairs. I have a Zach Wilson jersey in my closet, uh-huh. and an Elijah Moore jersey in my. Closet. No, yeah, I here. gave up. I I gave. I tr- genuinely gave up on Jets jerseys because I'm like, it's not. Fair. And a, a story I tell. I probably told this pod before, but when I was really young, by uh, after the 2000 draft, me and my twin brother each got NFL player jerseys of just the big picks. My twin brother got Hall of Famer Brian Urlacher. I got Tim Couch. So that's what my effect on players is. Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. All right. This is the thing about the Jets. I'll just say this. Monday night football against the Bills. Sunday night football at the end of September, at the beginning of October against the Chiefs. I don't know, man. I feel a little nervous, a a little pressure. Let's hope that the boys are up to par. That's all I'll say for the time being. But the yes. the the reason that we are here is mm-hmm. to talk about some MCU stuff and also across the Spider Verse. We'll get to across the Spider Verse and Dalbin's thoughts on that in a second. But uh, today we actually got a little bit of news, not anything crazy, but some reshuffling in the deck of the calendar of the MCU. I think the most notable thing that came from here is that Deadpool three, which just started shooting a month ago, has been moved up to next May. Uh, which is that is interesting. May third of twenty twenty four, Captain America: Brave New World has been moved to July of next year. Thunderbolts has been moved to right around Christmas. In addition to that, the Thunderbolts has been moved to December twentieth of twenty twenty four. And then yes, of course, that Blade movie that we keep waiting for something on uh, gets delayed again to February fourteenth of twenty twenty five. Now there are a few more movies. Um, just like Avengers, Secret Wars, and Kang Dynasty, those things that we'll get to at another point in time, because there's a lot of stuff to iron out with that. 
but I think the most interesting thing is the Deadpool situation and uh, what's happening with that because with them moving it up, it kind of it, it kind of shows that there's something going on there. What are they What are they trying to aim that aim at? That's fascinating to me. And uh, Dalbin, I know you had a thought about that that you wanted to uh, get to that you tweeted me earlier today. So I was interested in hearing you expand upon that. Yeah, absolutely. And you and you know I love me a good rabbit hole, AC. <laughs> but but one of the things that I always tend to look at whenever they shuffle release dates is just what movies are coupled within like really close proximity. And a year ago we had Cap New World Order, which is now Brave New World, and Thunderbolts, right? And we kind of figured that those would be like the second and third parts of that Black Widow saga, that Jason Bourne spy kind of stuff. Um, but now having Deadpool 3, them moving it up six months was surprising to me. I was like, wow, I was like, that must mean that it's further along than what we think, right? But the fact that Cap 4 and Thunderbolts now all, like, so now you have Deadpool 3, Cap 4, and then Thunderbolts all within a really short time of each other, not very spaced out. And so what I had tweeted earlier was that it would not surprise me if, you know, and there's been some rumblings, and I, and I think it ties into a little bit of the movement with Secret Wars and Kang Dynasty. You now have Deadpool 3, which is going to, you know, bring back Hugh Jackman. Will Hugh Jackman stay in the MCU 616, right? Would, would you see a scenario where he stays there because... Cap and Thunderbolts are rumored to deal with the introduction of adamantium, right? And who better to be the conduit for that, right? And for that explanation than the most famous mutant that has had adamantium, you know, embedded on their on their on their on their on their bones. And so I think I think there's something to be said for the way that they've reshuffled and kind of coupled those three together. And I think you're gonna see one of the things that folks are talking about, and we're going to talk about Secret Invasion in a little bit, is that, oh, well, you know, there's no stakes in Secret Invasion because we see Nick Fury in the Marvels trailer. I don't think that that's necessarily true. And I think that the same applies for Deadpool 3. I think folks are like, well, it's just going to deal with whatever's left of the Fox fallout. And I don't think that's it at all. I think it's going to have a much, I think it's going to have a much bigger bearing on what comes after with Cap 4 and Thunderbolts than I think we initially expect. And I think, I think I've said a million times, and I think, I know, uh, Dalvin, you agree with me, is that if your only definition of stakes is a main character dying, mm -hmm. you don't like stories. You like reading Wikipedia pages. Yes, like that. It, there's just is more going on in the in story than just that. And so I think that that's a really reductive way of putting it. But I also think that you're right that the reshuffling is interesting. And I think that you know, I think you, we can read that into it. And I also am curious if. I also think that there's just so much other moving parts too that like I think the Deadpool one you're right about. The other ones I almost don't know how much you can read into it other than just like production issues so i think the interesting thing with the deadpool 3 thing is the idea of the multiverse saga because we have not and it's funny because i thought about ant-man and the wasp quantum mania it's been out on digital for a little bit but it's like one of those things where it was only a couple of months ago but it feels like eons ago so i think in terms of multiverse story we haven't really gotten any advancement upon what that storyline is now that we're getting loki towards the end of the year and now that we have deadpool lined up it feels like there's going to be stuff specifically aimed towards that specifically with the tva being in deadpool 3 mobius in particular i'm sure we'll get miss minutes at some point as well that type of stuff is is interesting and i think if you want to expand upon it further as far as captain america brave new world and thunderbolts those stories are are in conjunction with each other to a degree especially the adamantium storyline that Dalby mentioned earlier. 
So I am interested to see what happens with that. I think Marvel Studios is in a intriguing time for them right now because they've had a lot of stuff happen. We've mentioned the Jonathan Major situation, amongst other things, which is really a big domino to fall, which we won't really get any uh, word about that. And Well, it's kind of two-pronged there with his court case and then also what happens in Loki and how they decided to move forward with that. So you have that situation there. So... I think that the thing is the writer's strike in some ways, probably in delaying some of this stuff probably helped. I think for this show, for us, content is king. So it's great to get it. But I think for the overall product of Marvel Studios, it's good to hear that we're going to get stuff a little bit further down the line, allows things to sit with us, just like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 did with how how powerful of a story it was, how emotional it was overall, and the fact that we've got to sit with it for, for about five to six weeks before Secret Invasion starts. And I think now that now people have an appetite for Secret Invasion, which is exciting to me as a fan and probably exciting for everybody else now that we're getting MCU content again. So that should be a lot of fun. Now, the reason, one of the reasons, the main reasons that we're here is Across the Spider-Verse. Across the Spider-Verse is was a great movie. We talked about it last week. Check out that episode if you haven't already. But I did want to get Dal Bean's thoughts on that. Uh, I'm sure he has a he has an intriguing perspective on everything that happened there. So Dal Bean, take it away. I want to hear your perspective and everything that comes along with that. Yeah. Well, and and first off, I'm a little disappointed that you didn't make mention of the fact that after Guardians, we had to we had a chance to sit with. Dom Toretto driving his car down a dam into the into the water. <laughs> people people forget that 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 yeah. You know, you know. So so I'm mad you didn't mention that, but it's okay. It is okay. Um, you know, so it's interesting, right? Because and we've talked about the role of the unreliable narrator a lot, right? Like when when they mentioned the multiverse rules, right? In, in Endgame, we were like, oh, that's got to be the rules, right? And then Loki kind of just said, nah, man, that's not it at all, right? And then, But it all depends on who the narrator was. There were parts in Spider-Verse that, I, one, the movie was fantastic. I My, my daughter loves Spider-Gwen slash Ghost Spidey, right? She, she loves her. And so... And so she she loved she loved it. I loved it. It was great. I thought visually it was it was one of the like I I I loved the style of the first one. I thought that I always worry when folks use what resembles cell shading, right? Which we see in some of the Telltale games in, on PlayStation and Xbox. But I th- I thought that they nailed it. I thought that the animation was great. I thought the story was great. I thought Oscar Isaac as as Miguel O'Hara was fantastic. But He's the narrator for the for like the rules of the Spider-Verse and how everything has to happen to a certain Spider-Man. They have to lose an Uncle Ben and they have to do this, they have to do this. When we've seen already that even in the MCU Spider-Man, he, he the person, the catalyst for him becoming the Spider-Man that we know is him losing Aunt May, right? And we kind of see at the beginning... Uh, the Prowler and all of, and the first one, the Prowler and all of them target Aunt May, right? So even there's some variations, even though you have Miles end up in a different universe altogether. Um, and so I I think that it I'm very much a fan of the use of the unreliable narrator to kind of subvert our expectations of what we should expect. And I think this movie did that, right? I think that there were parts that in watching the trailer, I thought for sure I knew how it was going to end, right? Like I was like, okay, I was like, I can kind of piece together this story. And Jake, you had a, you had a point, you know, about uh, if you're, if your only idea of stakes is somebody dying, then you don't really like storytelling. I also will say that if you, if you, the, the, 
the expected doesn't make it a bad story, right? Like the, yes. the execution is what really drives that. But I will say the ending to this was unexpected, right? I didn't expect mm-hmm. them to end where they did. And that makes me really excited for the third for the third chapter because I like the idea of still being surprised by movies, even though the first one, I knew where they were going. Kind of had an idea, right? Like Miles Morales' story is one I'm real familiar with. They freshened it up enough. I do think we're heading towards a really sad trilogy where the catalyst for Miles Morales is, you know, becoming the Spider-Man we know and love. Probably his old mom, you know, in the in the taking the six feet dirt nap. That's probably what's going to happen. But I loved it, man. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was really, really, really well done. I really am excited to see this movie again to kind of get a little bit more of a feel of everything that happened. I thought the the multiverse time branch stuff that we saw from the mcu was interesting what does that mean how how does this great movie and these great two films that have explained and kind of given us a different view of the multiverse how do they go even further and beyond the spider-verse which the title itself as mentioned last week on this show is pretty heavy that part fascinates me a lot so i'm, I'm very intrigued as far as that's concerned. But yes, Dalbean, I, I did want to hear just specifically on that multiverse part, wh- how do you feel like maybe, because obviously you get the the little blurb from Miguel about Doctor Strange and some nerdy kid and stuff like that. So there has been, you know, there's the mentioning and, and the explaining of the multiverse. So how did that, how did that come across to you? So I think a couple of things stood out to me, right? And and I've made this joke with Jake before about how when I was younger, I used to think that every movie took place in the same universe, right? Mm-hmm. So so I thought that Will Smith at, you know, before after you know, saving the world in Men in Black, if I get this time right, uh, became an enemy of the state, you know, mm-hmm. and they sent my man Gene Hackman after him. <laughs> well, they sent Gene Hackman, he united yeah, with Gene I was Hackman. Say, Gene Hackman was the good guy in that one. Gene I mean. Hackman was the good guy. Right, right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. Uh, you know, and so and so, I've always kind of thought that. So I think with this movie, what what I, again, what I find interesting, and yes, it's a throwaway line, right? To, to your point, AC, you know, the Doctor Strange and that weirdo, Tom, Tom Holland. Um, but you also see in the montage, you see Toby and Andrew losing Uncle Ben and the catalyst for them becoming the uh, losing losing Ben Ben and then Andrew lost uh, Captain Stacy. So you see them becoming who they who the Spider Man that they are. I also again keep coming back to this thing where some of the sto- some of what Miguel says doesn't doesn't track how we understand the multiverse as of now through this project, right? And that's why mm-hmm. I mentioned, like for mm-hmm. example, in. In Endgame, uh, uh, Bruce Banner tells us you have to clip all the branches. You can't leave any of the branches, right? Mm-hmm. But then we find out in Loki that, you know, the Avengers were kind of allowed to time travel. Like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. That was meant to happen. That was part of the story. And now we've seen, we 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 hear the, the, the description of what is an incursion, right? Like mm-hmm. M- Miguel tried to go to another universe to be with his child, caused an incursion, very similar to Wanda dreamwalking in, in, in Multiverse of Madness, right? And so I think what we're seeing is we're seeing folks tinker with the multiverse for their own gain, right? Um, and 
other people try to keep things in line because it makes sense within the rules that we've been told. And I think the one thing that we can accept, and the smartest man in all the universes, Reed Richards says says this, uh, you leave a big enough footprint, you cause an incursion. And I think that's what we're seeing. I think we're seeing just all these universes kind of collapsing on each other. And I think that's the only reliable thing we've heard is if you stay too long in another universe, you cause an incursion. But there's some some things that Miguel said that don't really track with what Kang said, right? That that, that don't really right. track like that. But I now wonder if Sylvie killing Kang has now just made all rules obsolete other than the incursion part, uh, which again makes it an easier story to tell for a person who's trying to keep track of the rules. Mm. And frankly, yeah. I almost think that I wouldn't be surprised if they in Beyond the Spider-Verse like purposely kind of spit in the face of the MCU's multiverse rules because like Sony does not give two shits about they don't in fact they shouldn't care about being trying to be consistent with the MCU's multiverse stuff but I think the big thing that um is notable about both like Kang and the TVA and Miguel and anyone who tries to describe the multiverse is that like the rules of what they say you can't do are things that are self-serving to them in some way. Like Kang tells you what you can't do because he's at, he controls everything. Like it's actually in his interest to say, and obviously he's not wrong that he it does actually exist all these things, but like, why would you believe him if he says that this is the way it has to be? If he's the guy sitting on the top in the same way, it really, and I mentioned this last week, it really benefits Miguel O'Hara from an emotional standpoint to tell people, yes, these bad things need to happen to you. That, like, it actually is, like, it is in his best interest to convince Miles of that. Because the thing that would actually be the worst thing to happen to Miguel O'Hara is if there was a version of Spider-Man that didn't have the Ken events happen to him. And so, like, I don't know what the actual answer is, but I know that um, just because, like, that the, the multiverse inherently is something that you really can't put rules on necessarily because yeah. the idea, I mean, if we're actually talking about the actual idea of the multiverse, the idea of saying that, every Spider-Man has these things happen to them just doesn't make any sense because in the multiverse, there literally would have to be versions of Spider-Man that that doesn't happen with. Right. And so I think that there's, and not that's not that, it doesn't have to work that way these movies, but I think that there is a, um, I think the thing I'm excited to see in both the MCU's version of the multiverse and the uh, Spider-Verse version of the multiverse is this, what I'm talking about, of like using the infinite possibilities of the multiverse to actually be infinite possibilities. Because the, the idea of it is introduced as, look at these infinite possibilities, and then you get a big person who's like, there actually aren't infinite possibilities, you have to follow these rules. And like, I think the one thing you have to come back to is like, no, but there are infinite possibilities. Like, I mean, and so that's what I'm excited to see. And I think that that's what, even if they don't end up having the same rules, I imagine that in some way, shape, or form, the, the triumph is in that. Yes, and I think, and, and that's the thing. I think you made a great point there as far as the 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 whole MCU part of it, because it's like they kind of want to hint at it that it's all connected. And to be fair, and the MCU did have a con- have conversations with the Spider Verse people about the movie, so they're they are working in conjunction to a degree. So that gives you at least an idea that a lot of this stuff does make some sense in overall as a as a story so that part is interesting i did want to get to a, a question that michael springthorpe asked and uh, this will also give me a chance to get dalbin's perspective on the twist at the end of this movie where we see miles on earth 42 runs into another version of himself that is the prowler which was which was a lot of fun nice little 
shock there. And uh, Springthorpe asks, shout out to Springthorpe, by the way. Assuming the Sinister Six is a major part of Beyond the Spider-Verse, if they are, who plays them? How are they different from the versions of characters we've met before, if possible? Now, before Dalvin, you go, I think after thinking about this question for a little bit, I do wonder, is there going to be a lot of room for other villains based off of how powerful the spot has become? after the end of this movie now but i do want to entertain springthorpe's perspective on this so go ahead Dalby. well shout out to springthorpe first and foremost because there, there is not a day that goes by that he does not make me laugh on twitter so <laughs> that's bad that you just ruined my life that, like, i can't deal with him with a bigger head like i i'm hey, seeing him later this week in person and this is gonna ruin it so please give him a hug for me and tell him that that i will that i will i will dawn of cold you know, the Don of Cold appreciates him. Um, so, I, so you know, that's a great question, though. I think, right, one of the one of the really cool things about the twist, right, is that we've been, again, we've yet to explore, for lack of a better word, this idea. Well, not yet, but we've rarely explored this idea of a version of the heroes that we love going bad, right? So we see Supreme Strange who went bad, right? And then we see the, and, 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 and we see the, the, Earth eight three eight Stephen not necessarily go bad, but he I mean he did it to, to to defeat Thanos right. This notion that they're in another universe, there's one of our heroes that's bad, right? I mean again that has gone bad, not tinkering on the edges of being an antihero. No no no, Miles is the Prowler is bad and a villain. That's that's I think interesting. That's inter- that's an interesting story to explore even more, right? I think one of the things we talked about this with what if one of the things with what if is that what if didn't really make you feel anything about that. Right. Like, okay, kill monger, kill Tony Stark. Okay. He's a killer in live action. Like (laughs) who cares? Right. But so I think miles who's, you know, kind of innocent, right. Even you see it kind of even in the the PS five game that's coming out Spider-Man two, he's the innocent one. He's the, he's still got his innocence there with the sinister six. Does it, does it hurt you more as a viewer? If Miles is leading a version of the Sinister Six, <laughs> like, mm. does that hurt you more as a viewer? Because you know that Miles is for for a long time in the comics. Miles is the one that doesn't get corrupted. He's the Spider-Man that doesn't get corrupted. Peter gets corrupted, not Miles. And so I wonder if there's a there's a role there for Miles to be the leader of the Sinister Six. And while the spot is incredibly powerful, if we are now circumventing expectations and thinking like, OK, well, if the spot is this powerful and in the comics, he's not that powerful, <laughs> but if he's right. this powerful, right. Then who's to say that we don't get a, that we don't get a version of, you know, a really powerful hobgoblin or something right in the sinister sticks. Or is it that, do we get like a version? Uh, do we get an evil Dr. Strange who's part of the sinister Six from another universe? Right. Like, right. I, so I, so I think, I think they're 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 going to raise the stakes by making the Sinister Six personal to our Miles, to the Miles that we've yeah. now grown with through two, two through two movies. And I think there's a chance for it to be something that with with bad Miles leading it, right? Uh, that I, th- yeah. I think there's 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 so much opportunity there for it to be people that mean something to him. Is there a universe where his dad becomes a bad guy, where his mm-hmm. dad becomes a villain, right? Is there a universe where you know Gwen is a villain? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, because, again, he's that that's his girl. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it, I think we're going to be put through the ringer in the third one with villains that mean something to our miles. And I also think that while the spot is super powerful, 
I think, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, he is he's this very cinematic character in what he does, but in terms of like a fighting, I think that they actually are going to have a need for some more dynamic action villains, if that makes sense. Like, yes. you don't want to watch a movie where it's just a bunch of different Spider-Men up against the spot, and so I think it actually would be useful almost if you could incorporate, like, it would not surprise me if there was a version of a fight scene where it's like 10 different Spider-Men, and then the spot brings along like 50 different members of Sinister Sixes from different universes to fight. You know what I mean? Um, I will say I, I place a large amount of money that one of the members of Sinister Six, maybe a version of Electra, will be voiced by Pedro Pascal. I mean, that's just going to happen. Oscar Isaac is going to make mm-hmm. he, He's making the boss call. Um, that was my first thought when you asked that question. But I think that, yes, they will be involved. And I'm not really worried about it because if, if the Spider-Verse movies have d- demonstrated anything, it's that, like, they look at the question of, like, oh, are we going to have enough screen time to include these characters? It's like, yeah, sure. We, it's like, we'll give them two lines. We'll give them ten lines. Who cares? You know, like, how much they'll be involved, I don't know. But I think that because they put it in the background and because they've basically put every other Spider-Man character in these movies, except for the, a lot of the big villains, I think it's just a really easy thing to do just to add more flavor. And and I think that we'll probably spend a decent amount of time on Earth-42. And on Earth-42, yeah. the big problem is not the spot. The big problem is the Sinister Six. Yeah, I think it also helps that at the end of the movie, Gwen has assembled the old crew. So we have a crew of Spideys. And then on top of that, my guess is eventually Miguel will see the light and try and assist along with uh, his brand of uh, folks, Spider Woman and and Ben Riley. So I th- that seems now that I think it think it out and kind of push it forward. There's definitely something that you can see there as well. Uh, I wanted to ask you also, Dal Bean, like in terms of cameos like the donald glover thing was something that we focused on last week was there something that that stood out to you that you enjoyed so i i mean i i think andrew garfield right just and this is just more just an aside Mm because you know but andrew garfield has become one of my favorite actors um over the last like like five six years um i think i think his range and and so anytime that and so I say that to say that I thought he was the only enjoyable part of, of, the, of the two Spider-Man movie that he was in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just I and so I I loved No Way Home for the fact that it kind of put him in a different light. Like people people now appreciate him now that it's been years removed from that. Right. Um, and so just, you know, seeing him pop up, I was like, oh, that's cool. Right. You know, Camp Counselor Toby popping up. I thought that was cool. Right. <laughs> um, you know, but I, but I think I think for me, I think it's just. Spider-Man, Spider-Man's story and all the Spider-Man. Spider-Man has one of the deepest, just deepest comic cuts. Like just in terms of like you yeah. can find things in his in 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 his story, and not just regular Peter, but again, like across the Spider-Verse, that just I mean, Ben Riley's story is is one that like I, I loved reading, right? Like when they introduced him, I was like, that's cool as shit. <laughs> that's cool as hell, right? And and we we talked about this a couple months ago, you see, about like this idea of legacy heroes, right? As the yes. as the old guard of the Avengers aged out, who are gonna be the guys that stepped in? Fortunately for Marvel, they got their most popular hero, you know, they got to use their most popular hero in Spider-Man. Um, but there's so many more stories to tell with beyond peter parker that exists in the spider-verse and i i like for me seeing all the deaths play out i was like man there is this is such a rich mythology to pull from um and that's i think what it did for me i was like wow i was like there's a lot that we could still we still haven't seen so i'm excited about that 
Yeah, um, I think I think from that standpoint, yeah, hitting that point with the comic notes, he's like, you forget how deep it goes, Spider-Geddon, and um, all of those different books that they've gone through, each character in their own way, stuff that I haven't even read, that it's just such a rich lore and a rich mythology to kind of go through and, and parse out. Um, I think the other thing that I wanted to mention, and also this comes as a question from our guy Montel, which this was pretty funny. Uh, which of these was Gwen's greatest offense? Shoes on the bed, calling the parents by their first name with no Mr. or Mrs. in front, casually entering a home where she had not been invited, in this case, Miles' bedroom. Okay. This is a question for me. This is the right question that I, because on the Discord, actually, he addressed this towards me uh, as speaking on behalf of white people, which I'm fine doing. I'll say this the entering without permission, that is actually an offense. Like, that, I just want to make clear that there's no word that that's okay. Like, that is especially through a window. Like, that is not okay. The shoes on the bed is like something that would get me mad and would get a lot of people mad, but it is a thing I can imagine someone doing. But it, it's not something that most people would find acceptable. I think it, the thing about it is, I think it would be a, you go like, oh, no. But I also kind of break the trend in that, like, I hate wearing shoes indoors, and I come from a family that's about split. Like, a lot of my family members wore shoes indoors, and it was like, why? Um, I will say, though, that regionally, where I originally grew up until I was nine, suburban New York, it very much was, in my parents' friends' milieu, I called every adult by their first name because they asked me to. So, like, that one, I, I would not do it to someone who did not tell me to do that. Um, but if you ask me to rank the things of acceptableness, that is the most acceptable. I will say it's very regional. And I remember when I moved to Florida, I was very like, oh, you, no one does this. It's Mrs. This person and Miss Smith and Miss Johnson. Mm-hmm. And so like, once again, I don't think you should ever do it without permission. Um, but if I had to rank them by acceptability, I have only done one of those. And it is called parents by the first. And like, for example, my parents would always tell by friends to call them by the first names. I think that that's just a very white people thing, uh, but old, but not Southern white people. Because the thing is, a lot of, when it comes to customs, regular white people, like, not regular white people, Northern white people and Southern white people are like, worlds apart. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, that's my answer. If you, if someone disagrees, apologies. Um, I, you know, this is a... Uh, yeah. Uh, let me ask, let me, let me ask Dalvin real quick. Dalvin, you're a man of his Hispanic descent, correct? Yes. Yes. So, let me, let me ask you quick that that whole shoes shoes on the bed thing. What you think of that? So first off, I, I want to shout out Jake for for breaking down white people into white people here, and then the whites. It, 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 he, it, no one does it better than yeah, him. Yeah, and then the white, and then the whites beyond the wall, because that's what that sounded like. That's where I grew up. That's where I grew up. I grew up in both places. You know, the thing is, I'm the blade of white people. I walked within both worlds. <laughs> Ah, okay, 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 okay. I, you know what? You know what? I am gonna. I, I, and AC must be your whistler. That that must be what. Hey, he is. Hey, the thing is, he's he, AC's my whistler. He's like a close confidant, and he's got bad knees. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I really do. Like, you know, the wild part is I'm starting to have bad knees. I know. AC, you tweeted yesterday that it was raining out. <laughs> that, that's how that's no, we knew it was raining. Right. I saw that uh, tweet. I yo, saw. it's happening. And it's uh, like, it's sometimes it's like you really wonder, maybe I maybe I push the envelope on this thing, but I've already accepted my fate. So it's kind of a part of the thing. But let me not let me not get this distracted any further. Dalbin, man of Hispanic yeah. descent, yeah. shoes on the bed. 
please. As an Afro Latino, that's not a thing, brother. That is that is not a thing. I would have gotten my teeth knocked out of my knocked out of my mouth if I brought those germs into the house. But I will say, I will say that uh, there is not a woman alive, you know, except for my wife now, <laughs> who can call my mom by her first name. There is not a woman. There's not. I, there was no girlfriends calling my mom by her first name. Like that was not not happening. The bedroom thing. I think that like that's even a little extra. My mom had a field day with that when I was in high school and college. So, but the shoes on the bed, man, that is gross. That is gross. Yeah, I don't let people. I don't let people in my house now with, with their with their shoes on. They, you take them off the mini walk through the door. Yeah, no, no. I I don't. I've never understood that. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's <sighs> it's. And, and like I said, the thing with the first name thing, I will just I want I just want to get very clear. I never, ever, ever, ever would do that to someone who did not give me permission to do that. And so like that that is always the thing. Like there's there's a way that I think um a thing I find annoying sometimes is when like there are things that I could do with my parents or my parent my my friends of the family, etc., that like I think sometimes will be treated as if this is the way that white kids treat adults everywhere but like there are different rules mm-hmm. like i would never say i would say mrs so-and-so unless i was given permission i just want to make that clear but and so i i think that uh you know gwen was over the line and also the thing too is like gwen lives in new york in her like frankly when i was her age i would have known that that was a white people thing like i would have been like no i'm not gonna call his parents <laughs> on the first name only white people do that <laughs> i yeah i i have a hard time and it's funny because I've dealt with this before where I've had, I've called people Mr. and Miss or Mrs. And they tell me to call them by their first name in terms of being senior than me. And I still have a hard time calling them by their first name, even after the fact that I don't know, it's just how I was raised. Um, so I, I tend to just be like, yeah, you're not going to call me by my first name. Like at this point, now that I, now that I am a wash dad, I can now, I'm now that uh, now at the state that I'm definitely getting a Mr. Canton and you got to like really, really know me. Um, like family like that. And it's funny cause, um, my mother-in-law, uh, God bless her. That's a first name basis because it's just that's our relationship. So that it helps when it's. Good. I think the thing too is I think that, and I I don't know why this is, but I can say from my experience with my parents always telling my friends to call them generally by the first name. But it was like friends, not just like strangers, but like friends. Mm-hmm. I always took it as a sign of wanting to put people at ease and i and i'm not that's not to say that i think that not doing that is not putting people at ease but like i also just wanted like the way i always took it was not like once again i think that there is a way of lumping that into like other behaviors of white children being like oh this means you don't respect people like it always was for me it was always like for example like my friend's parents would do it i think it was like no you can trust me i'm not like some scary person and so like that i i always thought as a good thing not that i ever would did be a problem if people didn't do that. But I think that I always was like, oh, I think my parents are doing this because they want to mm-hmm. be the parents that, like, if my friend is having an issue that they can't talk to their right. family back. And, I, and, like, that right, is the way right, I always right. took it as. And so, once again, Gwen is way over the line. And it, but it, and I think that I took that joke, like, I cringed at that joke because I'm like, ooh, I did not ever do what Gwen did, but I could see myself in that position much more than the other one. And I think that that's the great thing about humor is that you guys saw the joke from one perspective and I saw it from the other perspective. 
I think right. I think it's exactly. amazing that what you've shown me, Jake, is that you had a very healthy upbringing. My mom didn't want my friends at ease around her. I mean, she didn't want that at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I think my mom was the my mom was the have people at ease, and then my dad was the opposite. So. You know, it's a, my mom was to have people at given, ease. Given to- my dad was to have people at ease, but then do bits to make them not at ease, um, which is, I mean, classic. He would just love when a friend came, became close enough where they'd be over, he could start doing bits making fun of them. I mean, that just, <laughs> that was George Christie gravy. <laughs> great stuff. Great stuff. Um, All right. Before we transition, because I really want to talk about Secret Invasion. I'm intrigued on a lot of levels. Dalvin, do you have any other stray thoughts on Spider-Verse you want to get to before we, we roll on? You're no, good. Just that it was fantastic. But let's go down this rabbit hole, brother. I'm ready. Okay. Um, over the last couple of weeks, we've started to see more clips. We started to see little mini trailers. And the thing that I can say about this show before having even seen an episode is that I am all the way in. It seems like they are dead set on putting the espionage, the Winter Soldier vibes. Sorry, Springthorpe. Back into the mcu here specifically for this and why not when you have this scrawl thing this this invasion of sorts and you're bringing back fury to try and figure out what the hell is going on i love the vibes i think what they did last week with that little map thing into the to the website with the where you put in the password after you had to come up with the password and and then get the five minute clip with with Agent Ross, who I'm guessing is a scroll, talking to Conspiracy Man. I'll just call him Conspiracy Man for right now until we see him in episode one, which I'm assuming that's the start of the series. I am all the way in on this show already. I'm, I, and it's not even like an expectations thing. It's just a very excited to kind of see what they've cooked up here. Uh, Jake, I'll start with you before we get to some of the questions. Um, with this show, like what now that we're now that we're almost here, what are you looking forward to the most about it? I'm looking forward to let me actually use an analogy. I think that I think that um, people who pay attention to politics in the world and the internet, I think a lot of people are very worried about the way that like deep fakes and AI will make people like will convince people fake things, right? And I think the actual truth of it is that what happens is if you saturate if, if there's so many AI things, people actually just won't believe things that are real anymore. They just won't believe any of it. The thing that I'm interested about the show, I think that there's going to be a lot of focus. I know there are questions about this. of Who's a scroll? Who's a scroll? Who's a scroll? Mm-hmm. But like that's actually not where the tension I mean, The tension is kind of there. But the tension is that like if you don't know who's a scroll, you can't treat anyone with trust. And so like it's not like I'm actually uh, I'm equally interested in who is a scroll and is lying and who is not a scroll but is going to get wrapped up in some shit because they think right. they're a scroll like because the because what's going to happen at some point and what's what in any paranoid thriller is good is like who's lying and telling the truth doesn't matter anymore because the person becomes so unmoored from truth and lies because if you literally cannot tell by looking at someone if it's this person you've known for 20 years and you don't know that it's them then whether or not it actually is them eventually becomes irrelevant your actions will be the same because you can't trust them and so like i hope they really go down the rabbit hole of how that would affect you because like the thing that is about like i said spy throws makes it so great is who who can you trust who can you trust who can trust and the scroll invasion is a literalization of allegiance you know that like what if in a cold war thriller what if 
you're worried that the guy you're talking to is like a Soviet spy, you never actually consider that your wife could be a Soviet spy because she's not your wife. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of making the, it's completely adding a new element to that. And so I hope they really explore that and they don't, I know they probably will, but I don't want them really to get wrapped up in any big Marvel set piece stuff. Cause like the scariest thing they can do is have a conversation where you don't know if someone's a scroll, you know, like mm-hmm. that. I, 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 I don't need them to do anything big with this, especially because we've seen, you know, like, like the scroll power is actually not a big action power. So like, there's not much I want to see from them from most other of them than anyway. like, yeah, yeah. I, I just want to see, I want to see Nick Fury sitting across from someone who he thinks is someone and it's not, you know? Yes, yes. And uh and Dablin, how about you? What what are you looking forward to in this show? Give me your thoughts on the in this sense the different type of rabbit hole that we'll be going on here. Yeah. So before I do that, I want to ask I have a question for both of you and I wrote this down when when you guys invited me. What do you because I with Jake and Jake's point kind of reinforced this. What is scarier do you think from a narrative standpoint? If we get to the end of this series and find out that scrolls had infiltrated what came before, right? So instead mm-hmm. of like Rhodey being the one that gets knocked out the sky was a scroll, or instead, of, right? Like so, finding out that they were they were there during key parts, or yeah. is it scarier if we end the season knowing that they are still out there involved in future stories? What do you think is what do you think is scarier from a narrative standpoint? What do you, you think trips you out more? Um, I think the future stories thing is, is something that, because it, it, it allows the series to be that much more effective. Yeah. I think if it's the before, sure, sure. And I'm sure there's, there is stuff from before, but I think in order to figure out the problem and, and Maria Hill says this to Fury, you're like in the clip that came out earlier that you're three steps behind in a situation that you're you're normally not. And I think the most interesting thing about this series, more so than anything else, that I think people will ultimately miss, is that to a degree, when you look back on Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the Flag Smasher storyline probably could have been handled a lot better about this displaced group of individuals looking for some respect and some help from the government in terms of Mm -hmm. what their situation was uh, after the blip. In this instance, you have the Skrulls who Fury helped with Carol Danvers, brought them to Earth, and apparently they were supposed to find life and find good things for their people, but to this point haven't. And Carol Danvers is God knows where, you know, you can't find her anywhere. And Fury's been up in space for a few years doing whatever the hell he's doing. So now he comes back to a situation where I'm sure a lot of these people are angry and Mm -hmm. have a good reason to be angry. So how they decide to use that, the degrees of that, whether it be via terrorism and stuff like that that we saw from the Flag Smashers, I think in this series will be emphasized in a way much better than what Falcon and the Winter Soldier tried to do with their story. So that like overall interests me, and that's why when you do the when when we talk about secret invasion and the idea of having these people impersonated in the highest forms of government and highest forms of life on Earth, I mean, a lot of ways 
there's a lot of the scrolls probably thinking that earth belongs to them at this point. Mm. So that mindset comes from a place of anger and in some ways rightful anger towards the people who were supposed to help them out, but ultimately kind of left them stranded. So I think Dalvin, you make a great point as far as it was a great question because it really gets me thinking about really what the story is about this series. And Jake mentioned it before about the, the whole idea of, yes, it'll be cool to see whatever cameo they decide to do. And I'm sure there'll be at least one big one, but I think overall that story right there and Fury having to deal with that and whatever comes with it, losing that balance of power that he's Mm -hmm. been used to all of that stuff right there. That is the stuff that I want to see how that unfolds and where that takes it. And what are the ramifications beyond that? Dalbin, you know, this from, from what happened in secret invasion in the comics with Tony Stark. They defeated the Skrulls, but the government at the end of it looked at them like, yo, what is this? Like, y'all don't know what y'all doing. And who did they put in power? Norman Osborn. So this is where is Val's people going to be in power? Uh, President Ross, a.k.a. Harrison Ford, has not been, is not the president as of yet. This is supposed to probably lead to that. So where this story, this is the telling of this story here. This is this is the meat of it. This is the intrigue. More so than anything, any fight set piece or anything you got is how do we get here and how does Fury deal with that? That fascinates me more than anything else. Yeah. I so yeah, so I and and, and I'm telling you, I wrote it down on a sticky note. I said I'm gonna ask Jake and AC what's yeah. what so my answer, I'll keep it brief. Um is just I think that it absolutely is the is after the series, because I think ultimately because unless it was planned from the start, which it obviously wasn't, I think anytime you go back and like say like this actually was happening here, unless there is a loose end that you can mm-hmm. explain, I actually think it's like because the example you used, and I, I know it was just a random example, but like okay, it was actually Rhodey got shot at the side, so what? Like why? In that case, why did he act like Rhodey? You know, because like ultimately that's gonna be the problem. Is you mm-hmm. try to say like this character was a stroll the whole time, you need to explain why they did nothing different than what you'd expect them to. And I think ultimately that like, while I will be excited to see like what characters going forward might be scrolls, but I, I honestly think that in, for the context of this series, like the scroll invasion doesn't need to take over our superheroes in order to be scary. And I think that that's like what this seems like since it, since they're not leading with any major superheroes, like I, I think that, um, they don't need to do that. They, if, if it's just like the president is a scroll or other people in high powers of government are scrolls instead of the other, like that is as impactful. And then at the end, you could be like, what if these people are scrolls? And you can always leave that open. But yes, unless there was a big open question currently hanging over the MCU that you could use the scrolls to explain, I think going forward is better just because like, I, there's a dread that you know you can imagine you can imagine the season ending with the things seem like they're wrapped up and then they cut to a character that you think was on the level and then you see them turn into a scroll like that is like a, that's dread inducing yes yes uh 100 
I also think this soliloquy that I went on and we went on here was a good way to answer um, Isaac's question, just in case we didn't cover any of the art bases on it. Because he asks, knowing what we know so far about the series and from what has been revealed in short clips, just how connected to the wider MCU do you want the series to be? Do you hope it holds true to the revealing but slightly more contained scale it's hinted at in marketing? Or do you want to see a much more far-reaching event? I will answer that end part of it because I feel like we hit the the other points um i feel like i am on the same feeling of jake is that this does not need to be huge 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 because i do think as long as they tell a good and effective story it'll be it could have ramifications that are huge without the actual show being this grand spectacle like avengers or avengers uh uh, endgame or something like that and if you look at the actual like um the Cold War era thrillers that it's based on, like Cold War era thrillers don't end in gigantic big wars that everyone hears about. Like the thing that is often, whether there's a happy ending or a sad ending, it's always a melancholy ending because what always happens is these people who devolve into paranoia, even if they win, they can't, no one understands. They feel isolated because the world, if like they stop the, if they stop the Soviet Union from bombing the United States or taking over the government, Okay, and they have solved it. it was, did no one knew? It was like just five people. You know what I mean? Like that, I think, is the thing that's so brilliant about that genre. And Hold I think on. if you open it up to a thing where all of a sudden everyone in the world knows that there's a stroll invasion, I think that that honestly saps of the power of the whole plot line. Because like, there, you, I think you need the juxtaposition of, um, the feeling of isolation of if you're Nick Fury and you know that anyone you're talking to could be a scroll. That has to be juxtaposed against people living their normal life not knowing this is going on. If everyone's acting like that, then it becomes, I think, just like, it loses a lot of the thing that's appealing about it. Yeah. So, I so I mean, I think, I, I, I hear what you're both saying. I think that when you when you look back at the history of the MCU, right, you're talking about 23, well, the first, the Infinity War saga was 23 movies, 22 movies. Now you have so many so many things that came after it. I think that revealing that like say iron man when he backed the cords was a scroll that's kind of a cop-out right because that i think led to so much of tony's growth right so if you reveal he's a scroll that's a cop-out um i do think that oh dude i do think that one of the things that that'll stand out is for example like fury fury is the one who recruited iron man right so his role Mm -hmm. in like where we got to the end of this right i think he feels partly responsible for the death of iron man right because he's the he's the one that like iron man had his life right and and it was through fury's like it's a a fury trying to instill this sense of duty for him right that like he you know he got back in the game and you know and and he he unfroze cap right and like and so a lot of what's happened to the avengers fury feels responsible for so i love the idea of the man who had all the answers not having any (laughs) i love that idea um, to your point, Jake, about the the cold the the Cold War era, uh, the, you know, thrillers and, and and movies and stuff. I think the things that stand out is that we tend we and like I mean we like Americans we the U.S. we tend to lose those things. And I think and I think that I think we're gonna end up in a scenario where Fury is not the winner of this invasion. And I think that intrigues me. I think it intrigues me. Like, okay, what does the landscape look like after Fury loses now? Because mm-hmm. He wasn't around to lose to Thanos, mm-hmm. right? Like, so he, he wasn't the one on the ground. And so that intrigues me too, because I think 
I think us finding out, say Maria Hill is a scroll, right? Say that's yeah. who we find out as a scroll. So I think what's more, I think what was more exciting for me is not so much if Maria Hill was a scroll before, because like that doesn't, I, I'm very excited for this idea that like, Fury loses because I think that's what's gonna. I think that's what's gonna happen. Mm. Um, Fury loses, and the scrolls are still out there expanding their power within the current government structure, right? Because to AC's point, I think we, I think you know, very clearly, you know, Gavin Mitchell is gonna die. You know, he takes a rocket to the face when he <laughs> his SUV. So very clearly, he'll be gone, and then there'll be a vacuum for a new president and instead of Norman Osborne. I think we end up with President Ross there, right? And does Val become vice president after being CIA director? Is that what yeah. happens, right? And there's something really exciting about that new reality. Sam having to deal with that new reality of a President Ross. Vice President Val, you know, although I don't know if we're ready for a Karen VP, but, you know, the Vice President Val um, and us and two or three scrolls kind of taking like gaining power within this like really weird, you know, vacuum that's existed, you know, and that is that a Maria Hill as a as a scroll? Is it an Everett Ross as a scroll? Right. Is it Val as a scroll? Val now being revealed as a scroll down the line. Um, so, I mean, I, I think I think those are the things that excite me more um, than finding out that, like, again, Maria Hill was working at Stark Industries as a scroll this entire time. Lastly, I will say that in the comics, you know, Jake, you said this about like how, you know, their powers aren't necessarily like big power, like, you know, they don't have cannons on their arms or anything like that. Although we did see, you know, Ben Kingsley, a deer, open up his arm and unload a, a proton cannon, but or stretch his arms like Mr. Fantastic. In the comics, the, that's that's how, you know, Queen V, Queen Varank, that's how they started to amass power. They captured the Illuminati and started studying them. And so, I again, I wonder if their past role isn't so much that they had infiltrated the government like in the 90s, but is it that they've been the ones that stayed here, the sleeper cells that were here? Did they start to study the, the Avengers in turn to start to kind of make their way through? I wonder if that's the role that we see them play. But I'm definitely more excited about what comes after. Oh, I like I like that. Um, the idea of studying metahumans. Um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, so I, I'm interested to see what what happens with that as far as if they get to a point where we do see that they've been studying. I mean, clearly they've been studying other things and that's how we've gotten to this point. And that part intrigues me as well. Um, Springthorpe did have another question, by the way, Jeez. that that I want that I wanted to get to here. Do you think there will be any surprise cameos from existing MCU characters that are secretly scrolls? And if so, who would you like to see? Uh, let's just go with the who would you like to see. Um, yeah. Jake, Jake, you first. Um, I would like to see. I'm trying to think of who I want to see that I haven't seen in a bit, because I, I think that there's a couple of easy things to do. Like, you could say because Val is going to be involved vaguely eventually, like, oh, mm-hmm. Yelena, yada, yada, yada. I think what will be interesting is less so much seeing someone who reveals that they were previously a scroll. Having a situation, like, where you see a character you think is normal, they're revealed to be a scroll, and then you see, like, the real version, like, tied up in their house or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think, honestly, someone like a Kate Bishop will be interesting because she's such a sweet character. And also, I think that... I really don't know when we're going to see her next, and you know, I would like to see her again. And she's also someone you can, you can you can imagine like I think that Haley Steinfeld, frankly, would just kill that role. Yeah. And so that's my first instinct, and let's go with it. Go ahead, Dalby. How about you? So the wildest idea would be if somebody like you know our guy Chris Evans, fresh off making that Apple Plus money with Anna De Armas. <laughs> <laughs> If, 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 uh, you know, cause there's all, there's been all this talk that's kind of been one of those threads that's kind of been hanging. Like, 
Cap is in, in the moon. He clearly came back at the end of it, right? He came back at the end of Endgame as an older right. Cap. So is it like, does he come back to help S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Like after, or, you know, Sword or, you know, Saber. Does he come back to help Saber because he's got knowledge of fighting aliens, but it's really revealed that it's, that it's a, that the Cap going forward is Steve Rogers is a scroll. So that's kind of like the wild card idea. I think, honestly, I think, I think the easy layup is Fury. Like, so this ending with Fury winning, right? I'm using air quotes. You guys can't see me, but it's really a scroll, right? It's really a scroll mm-hmm. going forward. Um, I think lastly, man, the, the real trippy thing could be a Wakandan. And I think that, okay. I think that opens up a lot of possibility because, you know, as AC and I were talking earlier, like if you're going to have Cap Brave New World and Thunderbolts be in search of the next Vibranium, and that is Adamantium, let's just say, right? Right. What if the scrolls didn't want to wait for Adamantium and they went after some Vibranium? And that was kind of that tied into like this overarc. I just, I, and also then you also have the specter of Armor Wars kind of hanging around there, right? And who, what is Rhodey going to be dealing with, right? And what's Ironheart going to be dealing with? And mm. I think there's just a lot of possibility to tie the scrolls and not have this be just so self-contained without it needing to be this like global catastrophe right Correct. like I, I think you get a lot more leg you get a lot more mileage out of the story if you're putting scrolls in strategic places across the mcu are you putting one in wakanda are you putting one in atlantis right as one infiltrated namor's kingdom right like mm-hmm. well talacan not atlantis but you, you get what i'm saying yes, um, yes, yes. so so it's just is it is it are we going to start to see some of them still pop up because i just i do not believe that marvel decides that this ends with a fury win of him snuffing out the entire invasion i don't think that happens no, not at all. Um, I think, uh, for me, yeah, that Sharon Carter thing still bugs me from the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It bugs me in the sense is that I, the turn, yeah, I get it, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like I still need a little bit more of a reasoning behind it. And sure, you can maybe go with the whole, like, is it cheap that she ends up being a Skrull? But I do think if she's dead and the Skrull took her place and is doing that, that I think is something that you can work with in, in as a as a story, too. So if, if I, we happen to find out that she was a Skrull and she's the power broker, that that fits into the whole ramifications down the line in what we may see in something like armor wars or whatever they decide to do going forward with that portion of the story. I think in terms of if I don't think we're going to get like a big, I don't think we're getting any of the big, the big people uh, where I don't think they're, I don't think they're aiming for that. I think we will probably get one mid tier player. If I had to guess any, cause I think they'll at least give us something, a little nugget for us. But it doesn't. I, I'll say this: it doesn't need to be what Secret Invasion the comics is, because I just think that is that's something very difficult to do in six episodes. It just it just is, which is why they're doing it this way, which I think is a a better a better and more um, probably more satisfying and thorough way to tell a story in this instance. Um, lastly, uh, we got a we got a, a question from from Megan. Salute to Megan over under of how many times that uh that nick fury cusses cusses somebody out in secret invasion (laughs) i mean the problem is the the answer is gonna be not enough obviously um but i think that like 
in terms of scenes that have like the energy of cussing out and have some non f word cusses, I'm thinking like ten and a half is where I put the over under because he seems very frustrated mm-hmm. and like he's at wit's end. And so, like, there are going to be a lot of scenes that, like, you would imagine that Sam Jackson had to be told not to put a motherfucker in it, you know? So I'm going to take the under. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. I, I think that they are going to opt to make it special when he curses. Right. right, right. I, I, so, like, for example, when he says, my mom always said I was special, I can I can envision, my mom always said I was fucking special, right? Like, that <laughs> that ups the ante of the, of the, of the episode. Um, but I think, I think, I think they're going to make it very, I think it's going to be like the cream of the crop, right? And, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe he says it when, like, Dom Toretto is revealed as a scroll when he shows up in his charger or something. <laughs> That's what happens. But it also gives us more F-words to drop when we do our, our Secret Invasion table read, where it's all of us. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just thinking about Dom Toretto being a scroll. That's great stuff. And I also feel like that's a great way for us to end the show here. I want to thank Dow Beam for joining us. As we get ready for Secret Invasion, looking forward to you hopping on with us a few times during that. Uh, Dal Bean, where can we find you and uh, what you do, my man? Thank you. No, and thank you guys so much. I, I joke with Jake all the time that like you guys could text me at 6.55 and say, hey, man, jump on. And I am down to rock with you guys. Um, you guys can follow me on Twitter at DA underscore Osario. Spoiler alert, the Jets season is about to start. So that is all I'm running about for the next couple of months. Okay. Because when when they're, when the team has the potential to be good, that really attracts all my attention. Um, but I'm also looking forward to getting out to a game with you guys, too, and, and, and kicking it in person. So big love and big success for everything you guys keep doing. I'm super proud of you guys. Yes, yes. Thank and and of course, thank you for being a part of it. We appreciate appreciate you spending time with us as always. Jake Christie, where can we find you, my friend? You can follow me at the Jake Christie. That's my other podcast, Love at First Psych, where me and Andre Barrera talk about the USA Network original series Psych. Uh it's my big rewatch for me, and it's the first time he's watching it. It's a fun show. Yada yada yada. Yes, yes. And and Yada, yada. And yes, you can find me on Twitter at Anthony Canton underscore three. Follow the show at MC University Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. We also have a YouTube account. Check that out for any previous videos. If you're going to see The Flash, we did a quick blurb on that. If you want to check out that couple of minutes on what our initial thoughts were. Uh, and yes, the obviously the Patreon patreon.com slash mc university pod where you could get our bonus content we just released fast and furious for last week we're getting the fast five soon enough uh, there will be plenty of stuff on there good beef as well in the meantime so let's get ready for secret invasion and some scrolls and fury hashtag wash agenda is back for dalbino osorio and jay christie i'm anthony canton the third this has been marvel cinematic university and we will talk to you next time